The History of College Football is a podcast dedicated to preserving the college football gridiron memories from years gone by. Please feel free to visit our website at historyofcollegefootball.com. Thank you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we discuss the 20 biggest upsets in the history of college football. When you think of upsets, what comes to mind? Maybe Lake Placid and Al Michaels' rendition of Do You Believe in Miracles? Or how about Buster Douglas's Stunning the World, knocking out Mike Tyson? Well, how about college football? For me, there is one upset out there that is a stunner in this sport that is unprecedented. Over our next two podcasts, we will count down the 20 biggest upsets in the history of college football. Today, we count down numbers 20 to 11. Now, before we begin, what massive upsets did not make our list, did not make our top 20? Well, there was the 1957 Rice 7, Texas A&M 6 game, where Rice entered the game 4-3 and and a 7-point underdog to Texas A&M, who went in riding an an 18-game unbeaten streak and a 14-game winning streak. The other game that did not make our list that was up there was November 1st, 1980, Mississippi State, Alabama. Mississippi State entered the game 6-2, and two, while Alabama was number one in the nation, riding a 28-game winning streak, 7-0, and they were the two-time defending national champions. That game did not make our list either. So here we go. The 20 biggest upsets in college football history as we count down numbers 20-11. to 11. Number 20, the end of the longest winning streak by one team over another. November 3rd, 2007, Navy 46, Notre Dame 44, three overtimes. This ended the longest winning streak by one team over another at 43. Yes, Navy entered the game 4-4, while Notre Dame was a pedestrian 1-7. But was this an upset? Well, Notre Dame was riding a wave of 43 consecutive wins over Navy, the longest winning streak consecutively by one team over another in the history of college football. Navy had not won since the year Roger Storback was quarterback. And that was back in 1963 with the year he won the Heisman. Now, remember, this is 2007. Navy trailed 21 to 7 at halftime, but rallied back to tie the game at 28. And then here is what happened. With 45 seconds remaining in the game, it appeared Navy would lose for the 44th straight time. Notre Dame, they had the ball fourth and eight at the Navy 24. A field goal would have won the game for the Irish. But for some inexplicable reason, Notre Dame coach Charlie Weiss went for it and Navy sacked the Irish quarterback, and the game was now off to overtime. The game went to three overtimes, and in the third overtime, NCAA rules mandated a team must go for two after a touchdown. Navy did get the ball first. They scored a touchdown. They went for two and converted. Notre Dame now had their chance. They got the ball and scored their touchdown, but their conversion attempt failed. But a pass interference was called, and Irish had another shot, this time from the one-yard line. But the Navy defense stood tall, stopped the run, and Navy's stunning upset was secured. Number 19, the historic upset. 
January 1st, 1916. Washington State 14, Brown 0. This was the Rose Bowl, a historic Rose Bowl. And yes, Washington did enter the game 6-0, while Brown was 5-3-1. But understand this game in its historical context. Brown, they were an Eastern powerhouse. Washington State, eh, they played their games in the Northwest. This was the second Rose Bowl, and if you remember, the first Rose Bowl was played back in 1902. Again, this is 1916. And back in 1902, Michigan defeated Stanford 49 to nothing, a defeat so thorough, so decisive, that the Tournament of Roses decided not to schedule it anymore because it was felt that the Western schools could not keep up with the rest of the nation. Well, again, in 1916, the Rose Bowl was played, the second Rose Bowl ever, and with the eyes of the nation, wondering whether this Western school, Washington State, could keep up with Brown in front of over 7,000 fans on a muddy, muddy field, Washington and Brown were in battle to a scoreless tie, and it remained that way into halftime. But behind the running of fullback Carl Dietz, who rushed for 105 yards that day and one touchdown, Washington scored 14 second-half points, and the defense stifled the Eastern powerhouse Brown, and its all-American halfback Fritz Pollard who was the first African-American to play in the Rose Bowl, and this secured the Cougars' decisive win. Washington State had outgained Brown 313 yards to 86 in the 14-0 shutout. The impact of the game was huge. West Coast football was legitimized, and the Rose Bowl has been played every year since. Number 18, winless Purdue takes down the number two team in the nation. October 24, 1953, Purdue 6, Michigan State 0. Michigan State entered the game number two in the nation. They were undefeated, 4-0, and they were riding a 28-game winning streak that began four years back in 1950. Again, this is 1953 we're talking about. Purdue entered the game winless, winless, 0-4. What made this loss all the more heartbreaking was that after the Spartans fell behind 6-0 in the fourth quarter, on the ensuing kickoff, Leroy Bolden's 95-yard kickoff return was called back due to a kipping penalty. And to top it off, this was the first time the Spartans were shut out in 59 games. Number 17, the cover boys of Life magazine go down the next week. November 15, 1941, TCU 14, Texas 7. Number 1, Texas entered the game 6-0-1. TCU, they entered the game 5-2. Now, a week before, Texas appeared on the cover of Life magazine. Late in the game, TCU stopped Texas on a fourth and one at its own 27. TCU got the ball and drove down the field, and with eight seconds left, at the 19-yard line, TCU quarterback Emory Nix connected with Van Hall for the game-winning touchdown to secure the stunning upset. Number 16, two-time defending national champion gets shut out in the desert. September 21st, 1996. Arizona State University defeated the two-time defending national champions Nebraska Cornhuskers 19-0, snapping a 26-game Cornhusker winning streak. Number 17, Arizona State entered the game 2-0, but its defense had yielded 42 points to Washington State, and the previous season, their defense had given up 77 points to the same Nebraska team. Number one, Nebraska entered the game 1-0, putting up 55 points against Michigan State in the first game. They were riding a 26-game winning streak. They had won the national championship the previous two seasons. And the next year, well, they would go on to win a third national championship in four years. But that night in Tempe, in front of a frenzied Sun Devil crowd of over 74,000, on a 91-degree night, the ASU defense recorded three safeties, forced 
three turnovers, and shut out a Nebraska team that had not been shut out since 1973. And again, we're talking this game played in 1996. Now, how did the Sun Devils do this? They placed a safety on the line of scrimmage, and this slowed the Cornhuskers running game and in turn secured the upset for the ages. Number 15, an offensive meltdown for the ages. November 7th, 1948, Santa Clara 14, Nevada 0. This one was a stutter. No matter how you look at it, no matter how often I hear about it, it was an offensive meltdown for the ages. Number 11, Nevada, entered the game 6-0. Now follow this. They were undefeated untied, yes. In the week before, they defeated Oklahoma City 79-13. They were leading the nation in scoring, putting up an unfathomable 51 points a game, and had allowed just 10 points per game. Now, in case you're keeping track, this means that Nevada Wolfpack, they entered the game winning by an average score of 51 to 10, a scoring margin of 41 points per game. Santa Clara, they entered the game 5 and 2 and had given up 41 points to California and 33 to SMU. So playing in Sacramento in the first minute of the game, Nevada intercepted a Santa Clara pass and was set up at the Santa Clara's 30-yard line, and it appeared business as usual for the Wolfpack. After two running plays on third and three, Nevada quarterback Stan Heath, who would go on to finish fifth in Heisman voting that year, threw an incomplete pass, and then another incomplete pass on fourth down, giving the ball back to Santa Clara. Stan Heath would not complete a pass until two minutes left in the first half. In the second half, it was more of the same. With Nevada recovered a Santa Clara fumble at the 50-yard line, Nevada failed to capitalize on it. See, it was not just losing the game that was stunning. No, the upset involved a shutout loss, 14 to nothing. Consider this one salient point. After this lone shutout, this Nevada team ran the table in the regular season, averaging 53 points per game in their wins. And even if you consider their loss, they still averaged 44 points per game. Later, as a side note, there was allegations that Nevada had intentionally threw the game, that the game was fixed for gambling support. Number 14, the upset that blended heartbreak and dignity. Miami 31, Nebraska 30 on January 2nd, 1984, the Orange Bowl. See, entering the Orange Bowl, Nebraska capped the 1983 season going 12-0, and they were riding a 22-game winning streak. Coach Tom Osborne's terrifying eye formation in its first five games put up numbers like 44, 56, 84, 42, and 63 and they would go on to average 52 points a game that season. Facing them in the Orange Bowl that evening was the hometown Miami Hurricanes, who were 10.5-point underdogs. Coach Harold Schnellensberger's 10-1 team seemingly came out of nowhere that season. Miami stunned the number one team in the nation, taking a 17-0 first quarter lead. So down 17-0 in the second quarter, Nebraska took possession at their own 24-yard line. The Cornhuskers drove down the field to the Miami 19 and with a little over six minutes gone by in the second quarter, Nebraska was facing a third and five from the Miami 19. Nebraska quarterback Turner Gill snapped the ball, left the ball on the ground, mind you, for offensive lineman Dean Steincooler. He picked it up and ran it into the end zone, the old fumble and it fooled the Miami Hurricanes. It fooled the TV cameraman and the announcer who commented, I was totally fooled. The game went into halftime with Miami leading 17 to 14. In the third quarter, Nebraska tied the game at 17, but now Miami stormed back to take a 31-17 lead. But in the fourth quarter, it was Nebraska's turn to come storming back. And here is the historic backdrop. 
with one minute, 47 seconds left to play in the game. Nebraska trailed Miami 31 to 14, a one loss Miami team. Now keep this in mind as the Cornhuskers were undefeated. The Cornhuskers had overcome Miami's home crowd. Their leading running back, the Cornhuskers, Mike Rogier, was on the bench with a sprained ankle. They overcame all of that. And facing fourth down and eight, Calm Osborne calls a run. Now, technically, it was a run option pass. And Turner Gale, the quarterback, pitches the ball at the last moment to a second-string halfback, Jeff Smith, who scores. Now, follow this. All coach Tom Osborne has to do is kick the extra point, and he has his first national championship. Remember, they were undefeated. Miami had one loss in a stunning, epic gamble. Osborne goes for two. Turner Gill's pass was batted down, and that gave the Hurricanes the win. Here are the words of Coach Tom Osborne. In my mind, I felt we probably didn't deserve the national championship if we backed into it. I don't think I would have been able to vote for us if I had settled for a tie. Heartbreak and dignity, often they go together in life. I am certain few, if any, coaches ever achieved more in a loss than Tom Osborne. Number 13, Heisman's juggernaut inexplicably gets shut out. November 23rd, 1918. Pittsburgh 32, Georgia Tech 0. John Heisman's Georgia Tech team entered the game 5-0. They were not only unscored upon, they were scoring 85 points per game. And they had scored over 100 points three times. Pittsburgh entered the game 2-0. They were averaging a mere 36 points per game, but they were unscored upon that afternoon. Pittsburgh's coach Pop Warner's reverses and double passes took Georgia Tech off guard. Pitt went on to shut out John Heisman's Golden Tech team 32 to nothing. Number 12, the upset that defied imagination. November 8th, 1975, Kansas 23, Oklahoma 3. It can be argued that in the annals of college football history, no score defied imagination more than this one. Certainly, this is true for me. Kansas ended the game 5-3. and three. Number 2, Oklahoma entered the game 8-0. They were on the heels of the 1974 National Championship season. They were riding a 37-game unbeaten streak, a 28-game winning streak, and Barry Switzer, their coach, he had yet to lose a game in his third season as coach, unbeaten in his first 30 games. Playing at Norman, quarterback Nolan Cromwell from Kansas, who's the Big H leading rusher, mind you, led the Jayhawks' wishbone attack. Cornwell never threw a pass. Now, Kansas led 7-3 at halftime, and then the unbelievable happened. The Jayhawks forced seven sooner turnovers in the second half, which totaled eight for the game. All the more stunning, remember, this was the ninth game of the 1975 season. This was the first time since 1966, 99 consecutive games, that Oklahoma had been held to less than seven points. It was Oklahoma's first defeat since October of 1972. And remember, this was 1975. And now we come to the last game on our countdown of number 20 to 11 of the greatest upsets in college football history. Number 11, the original game of the century served up an upset for the ages. November 30th, 1905, Chicago 2, Michigan nothing. Boy, I I struggled with this one. I wanted to put this one in the top 10 so bad. It deserves to be there. This was the original game of the century. It pitted legendary coaches Amos Alonjo Stagg versus Fielding Yost. While Chicago was 9-0, and they were led by fullback Hugo Besnick, who, by the way, was the only person to coach an NFL team as well as manage a Major League Baseball team, they faced a Michigan Wolverine team that was unbelievable. 12-0. They were riding a 56-game unbeaten streak, and they were coached by Fielding Yost, who in his last game of his fifth season, in his last game again of his fifth season, had yet to lose a game. 
They were outscoring opponents up until that point, 2,821 to 40. His teams were called the point-a-minute teams. Well, on that day, a defensive struggle ensued for the ages, and it was a scoreless tie with 10 minutes remaining in the game when Chicago punted. Michigan's Denny Clark abruptly fielded the punt behind his goal line and was tackled for safety to end the 56-game winning streak of the Wolverines and serve up Fielding Yost's first loss ever. Well, there you have it, our countdown of 22-11 of the biggest upsets in college football history. Did we cover any that you think you would include on your list? Did we include any that were ranked too high? Or how about too low? As in, why didn't they put that upset in the top 10? Do you know the upsets that are still out there, the ones we haven't covered that will appear on our next episode of the greatest upsets in the history of college footballs, number 10 to 1? Join us in our next episode as we complete our countdown of the 20 greatest upsets in the history of college football. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.